Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Hello. Today we have a new guest that I'm quite honored to have on the show. And I have to say, in my opinion, um, he's a very humble man. Our guest is Ted Warren. The information I got from Ted was that he has a solid reputation as a musical, versatile drummer. I did some homework and found out that, in fact, Ted Warren is one of Canada's great drummers. Along with fronting his own group, Ted's Warren Commission. And that throughout this pandemic, Warren's been keeping musically active by performing solo drum concerts live on Facebook. Now, he's a, a longtime active member of Canada's jazz scene and been recognized with Jazz Reports Drummer of the Year Award. He's also a well-regarded clinician and adjudicator. His quartet has released three CDs, First Time Caller, Songs for Doug, and the recently released The Great Regina Pizza Debate. He's a member of another group called Broadview, and he quite honestly has a number of other recordings. He's performed with so many people from Mel Torme to recent uh, Canadian jazz folks. And I must say, I'm quite honored to have him with me. As today, we're going to talk about Ted's sister. And without further ado, let's get started. And thank you so much for joining me today, Ted. I'm going to let you go ahead and tell your story in your words. Thank you, Elaine. Um, yeah, I, I, um, my sister was four years older than me. Um, and uh, our early family life especially for her, was not great. Um, my parents divorced when I was three, so she would have been seven. And um, my father at the time had a bad alcohol problem, bad alcoholic. Um, and also, we did find out after the fact that he had uh, sexually abused my sister as well. Um, so she had a very difficult life much more I think much more challenged than myself right um 
so she, uh, you know, so she, there were a lot of problems. Uh, you know, she w- had a lot of bad relationships. Um, yeah. Had a teen pregnancy. Uh, left home fairly early. And um, and had a lot of just just a lot of uh, mental health challenges, as many of us do. Um, so finally, um, I think she was 29 and I was 25 when she took her life. Um, yeah. And so, um, let's see, I'm trying to put it all together into some sort of chronological order. It's odd putting it together that way. Um, uh, and that's okay. You know what, Ted? Mm-hmm. You just go ahead and tell the story. Because chronological is only the way time goes. It's not how humans think. Right, right. Um, And I will say, I mean, one of the things we realized uh, after she she passed, as well as as the abuse, which my mom and I had no idea about, but also um, that this had all been fairly well orchestrated and she'd planned this for a long time. Um, she set up a situation that she was working as a nurse that I think it was a long weekend off. So nobody was going to wonder about where she was at work for like three or four days. Um, you know, they're just, she changed the locks in her apartment so nobody could get in easily. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. She'd really thought this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, hmm. let's see what else. Um, and, and I mean, I, I don't know what it's like for other people in families. The thing about my sister and I is, is it felt to me like, um, especially at that point in our lives, we didn't know each other super well. I was living in another part of the country. Um, you know, we didn't get along that great when we were kids. And then we sort of, it felt like we avoided each other. So, you know, I think sometimes for me um the the difficult part is is you know I, I i hope that as time had gone on that we would have become closer now i don't know that for sure but those are the sort of you know what ifs that i think go through people's minds in situations like this absolutely absolutely yeah. and with you not knowing uh about the abuse she may have been trying to distance you to save you mm-hmm. when you were a child. Yep. Yeah, that might have been, uh, yeah, that might have been, a, a, you know, a, a part of that. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, strangely enough, too, or, is um, she's actually a fraternal twin to a brother who was severely autistic, who never really lived at home passed about i think you know he was fairly young and he was institutionalized and he also passed away about three years before my sister did and i think that was especially hard on her uh, less so perhaps maybe on me right so there's that too yeah she she definitely had the decks the deck stacked against her mm-hmm yeah, yeah, I think so. I think she had a very difficult life in general, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it ha it it happens when when we're children and we go through traumatic events uh it, you know it's it's seen very often that as we go through our teen years and get older we we tend to attract sort of the worst elements and we don't make good choices mm -hmm. did she like your father turn to alcohol at any point i think she did because you know we communicated you know after she left home sort of sporadically and i remember at one point uh she made it very clear that you know if i was using anything that she wouldn't want to talk to me or uh, sort of like that. So I think she did struggle with it, I believe. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. But I, I think I think it's um, commendable and, and important to note she was a nurse. So, you know, she she tried to do for herself. Absolutely. And I think, too, I mean, even as I'm telling the story, I've, I'm like, well, but, you know, there's all these great things about her that I'm not mentioning. I don't want to mention, you know, it's like everybody, right? She, she's not just a tragedy. Uh, yeah. I heard, you know, yes, I, I heard from people that she apparently was a very good nurse, which sort of makes sense because she was sort of bossy, actually, too. So, <laughs> you know. um, yeah. And I think she enjoyed doing that. I think that was something that did, you know, she took pride in and that sort of thing. Um, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's everybody's story is complicated, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, you know, there's nothing that that's just black and white in our lives. Humans don't seem to be programmed that way. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And, and just so we can make it a little more, um, personal for our audience. What was your sister's name? Dorothy. Dorothy. Yeah. And that was also my grandmother's name, who I was quite close to. And also, I should mention, too, my mom's name is Elaine. So that, that's a... Oh, wow. That's, yeah. That's a name I'm fond of. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, don't, I don't hear that very often, yet I know a lot of Elaine's, funny enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So give me, give me a story from, I guess, childhood, one funny or, or exciting incident that you and your sister had. Uh, let's see. Um, hmm. Well, well, I mean... I guess we weren't that young, but I remember coming home. I was studying at McGill in Montreal and came home for Christmas. And I, this is just one of those weird memories that sticks out for me is that we were talking and then I was, I was microwaving like a Kaiser button or something. And we, we were having a really good chat. I remember that. And so we were chatting away and all of a sudden like smoke comes billowing into the living room. I realized that I basically set the thing on fire and then so sort of panicked and grabbed this, you know, this, this Kaiser bun with like tongs or something and threw it out into the backyard. And then the oh. best thing was for like the next hour, it would crackle every now and then because I think it was still <laughs> smoldering or something. And it was just one of those things we sort of laughed at, you know, it was, yeah. um, 
you know, when I was a little older, we, we did get along quite well, I think, when we hung out. Whereas I think when we're younger, you know, I was pretty well the typically annoying younger brother. And four years is sort of a, that's a tough one, I think, in some ways. Yeah. Um, you know, she was sort of on to very different things than me, you know, being that much of an age difference, you know. Absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned that my sister and I were about four and a half years apart. And I'm the older sister. So there wasn't an awful lot that we had in common. Mm. And I didn't spend an awful lot of time with her when we were young, because of course, our interests were, were just so different at, you know, kind of at every level. And mm. my sister used to tell people that, um, she had colic when she came home from the hospital and she cried all the time. My parents brought her home and with her, they brought this baking set for me. Mm. A consolation prize, I used to say. And it was all these little, you know, little Betty Crocker uh, cake pans and, and packages of cake and cookies and what have you. And after two weeks of this child crying nonstop pretty much I packaged it all up and went to my father and said here I will give this back if you will take that <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah that's yeah <laughs> she never let me forget that <laughs> yeah I'm sure that's a great story that's awesome yeah. did you ever like live in the same cities when you were a bit older where you obviously you got to finish school um before were you were you in in a your new family or like were you married or, or did you get to any of that before your sister passed no i was i was sort of midway through uh my time at mcgill and then sort yeah. of washed out which i think i would have washed out before that but i mean certainly those events ensured that I washed out. So, um, I mean, I don't know, this is slightly off topic, but I've always found this fascinating is that my sister had this role in in the family as sort of the troubled one and the one who was going to cause trouble sort of. And Mm -hmm. it was interesting because after she passed, it felt like I had truly had space to, you know, mess up myself. It it felt like then it was going to be my turn to really, you know, prove that I wasn't this, you know, I think I was, I was viewed in my family as this sort of angelic one who would never cause any trouble. And uh, I think I sort of, you know, was, was trying to prove that wasn't true, especially after you passed. (laughs) Yeah, sort of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and certainly was doing a lot of drinking and drugging after that myself too, for sure. Right. That right. I hadn't before, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and that's understandable. And did you find out about the sexual abuse and, and or those allegations um, at the time of her death, or or how did that become knowledge? Um. So that was yeah, and I remember that really distinctly. In some ways as much as anything else surrounding this, I was back visiting my mom. I, and I think that my, this might've been a year after or so. Um, my, my 
a sister had kept diaries and my mom found it in one of her diaries, you know, and I remember my mom coming out of the backyard, you know, just, just, uh, you know, the, you know, all the emotions that would be coming out in that case, especially as a mom, you know, the guilt and all that and telling me about it. So, um, yeah, we didn't know it at the time. And of course, this is something my dad denied and, you know, we never really got the whole story. My dad's passed on now, but you know, and he was he was saying, "Oh, you know, that's and it's funny too." This at the time, this is when the whole false memory, all that stuff right. was coming out, and he was saying, "Oh, well, that's what it is." And, you know, yeah, yeah. Did did your sister leave a note? Yeah, yeah, she did. Um, and like, I'm yeah, I know. I should. It's weird to laugh at, but she had very express. Um, uh, what she wanted to happen at the funeral, the music, and uh, wow. uh, you know, and sort of defending her actions. You know, um, yeah, it was it was quite a involved document, I guess would say. Okay. And that that's uh, that's a little different than a lot of the stories that we have talked about on the podcast. Um. There aren't always mm-hmm. notes um, in in mm-hmm. one of the case I, I know of. There there was definitely a very detailed note. Perhaps not what would happen at the funeral, but uh, that's that shows a very logical mind. No, and it it sort of goes with the whole thing of how long she had talked about it. You know, we we had uh, a communication. Oh, it would be probably. I saw her between eight months to a year before it happened. And the way she was talking to me didn't really make sense to me at the time. And certainly like a lot of, you know, males in their mid twenties, I certainly wasn't super sensitive at that point to whatever was going on with someone else. So, um, you know, I think she was trying to tell me a few times that, you know, in, maybe uh more of a you know you know sort of uh, mysterious way that this, this is what was coming up and even she also um sent me a note about uh a watch that i had had that i she had stolen and she felt badly about it and of course i'd forgotten all about it i i was like oh, okay this is weird why is she doing this you know mm-hmm. and there was a phone call two to my place in Montreal it wasn't that long before it happened which of course in my typical fashion but oh Dorothy called okay well I'll get hold of her sometime of course I never did you know right Um, so I think she was trying to uh, I don't know soften the blow is the right thing but she was trying to I think make things right between everybody I think before it happened I think you know yeah and you know, one way of, of looking at, you know, the funeral arrangements and putting all that down in paper is she was trying to spare you and your mom mm. from mm-hmm. having to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which was interesting, too, because, I mean, that whole time when I came back, and, of course, I did all that with my mom, 
and it was felt like just it's just one awful activity followed by another. It just goes on and on. Yeah, and anybody who's been through it, yeah. even with with even with another circumstance of death, I think it's really hard. But it was just it, I just remember that it just felt like this gauntlet of oh great now here's another awful thing we're gonna have to do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That was that was I remember how tough that was for sure. Oh, ab- absolutely. And and I know when Andrea, my friend, died, um, we were just 16. Mm. So wow. the group of us, we, I mean, we didn't have any of the, the hard work to do. But uh, four of the five of us were Catholic. And mm. my friend Andrea was Jewish. Mm. So the funeral services and there was no wake and there was Mm -hmm. none of what you know we we assumed would happen and it can be very difficult to not only have the shock of someone who's taken their own life but to rush through the the you know the the systems that that get put in place Mm -hmm. because um in the Jewish faith, you you have to be buried before sundown the next day. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it was very very quick, and um, it left us all kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm. And and I I totally understand what you said about you know the being the bad boy after it it takes a it, it takes quite a toll on. Your, your mental state. And uh, my, my parents actually took me home to Scotland for a while because mm-hmm. I, I was not uh, dealing very well. And it sounds like it made life pretty difficult for you as well. Uh, yeah, certainly, certainly. You know, and, and um, well, and I think too, I had a long-term relationship that broke up shortly afterwards. And so for me it 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 you know and this, this is not fairly at all but it, it's at that point it felt like okay i i i probably can't trust women at this point cuz they're just going to uh-huh. hurt me you know um yeah. which again is is just you know it was a lot of it was bad timing you know but but yeah it felt like a bit of a free fall which i'm i imagine for a lot of people it does you know uh yeah yeah that that had to be very tough and and your mother as well. I mean, that, that had to be, well, first the the shock of losing her daughter and and then did, did your mom and dad, like, did your dad live a long time after? Yeah. Yeah. He just passed uh, four or five years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and did he ever stop drinking or? Oh yeah. He had stopped, you know, basically after he left, when we were kids, uh, you managed that. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, well, that, that's one good thing, but, uh, mm. do you know if your sister ever perhaps confronted him? I don't think so. I really don't think so. Um, you know, and, and it's funny too, cause like one of his justifications too, that he must be an okay guy. And this was very, typical of my dad because he he could deny reality in front of him like nobody's business like better than anybody i've ever met i think but he was like well your your sister 
you know, left left her inheritance to me. But I mean, I've heard in that case a lot a lot of times people leave money to their abusers, you know. And uh, you know, I mean, yeah, he he was so deluded about so many things. This wasn't going to be any different than other, anything else, really, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's so sad that she couldn't, didn't, wouldn't uh, put it out there when she was alive. Mm. But uh, I, I know many people that, you know, af- after sexual assault in childhood end up taking their lives mm. because yeah. it's something they, they, they just can't deal with. They don't want to, you know, uh, face their accuser or, or for whatever reason. And, and it's unfortunate because we lose them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So, so that we don't take this totally in, in a, a depressing and sad direction, I believe your life is certainly much better now. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. Yes, it's very good, actually. Yeah. And you've decided that women aren't so bad? No, no. I know quite a few. You seem like a nice one. My wife is very nice. I, I of course, love my mom and, and fortunate yeah. to still have her around. Um, yeah. Who I haven't gotten to see her in a couple of years, unfortunately, because of the whole situation. She's back in Saskatchewan, feel, speaking of, of cold weather. But, Ooh, um, yeah. yeah, and we're still very close. Uh, yeah. So so I, there's a lot of great women in my life. My daughter, too. She's a great one as well. Good. Yeah. Well, that's it's good that your faith has been restored in women. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it does does daily, really. <laughs> oh, oh, see that that's good. Oh, you're saying all the right things, Ted. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> yeah. So, for people that are listening, for somebody else that has had to go through this, what's one thing you can look back now on just after this event and what would you say to somebody that found themselves in your situation? Uh, I guess I would say try to get some help. Uh, and you know, there are a lot of resources for that. Um, and I mean, I think, I think a lot of it for a while probably is going to be just, trying to put one foot in front of the other. And that's okay if that's all, you know, even if you can manage that, if you can, you know, get through a day, you know, there will come a time when those days get easier, you know. Um, And that's not to say, you know, you won't feel grief, but you can also feel, uh, you know, affection for that person. I know for a while I felt somewhat angry at her i don't feel that way anymore um you know it's it's but i think uh there there are lots of really capable people i think that that you can talk to about that and i wish i had been more active about that at the time i think i might have not slipped off the deep end so much if i had been able to talk to people about it more 
That's that's really good information. And thankfully, you know, in this day and age, there are so many more opportunities to find help. There are so many more avenues. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are grief counselors, there are grief groups. And uh, for the longest time, one of the things that I know that I myself and and my friends found so hard is way back in the early 70s. And and even in some places today, suicide is not spoken about. Mm -hmm. And when someone takes their own life, they don't celebrate their memories the same way. Mm -hmm. They don't, you know, they don't pull out the good stuff. And as much as, you know, my friends and I, we talk still, uh, as much as we only had those few years to talk about, there are things we still talk about and laugh about today. Yes, yeah, yeah. And and if I may, um, it's really interesting because after, you know, dealing with the funeral and everything with mom back in Saskatchewan, I went back out to Montreal because I was living there. And uh, I, have, I wasn't, hadn't been working that much as a musician, but I think people were sort of leaving me alone. But then I did something at a, at a club I'd worked at before. Mm-hmm. And the woman who ran it, who I think actually she'd been some sort of grief counselor. In, like she'd had many iterations. So one thing she did is I showed up and, and to play and she sat me down during a break and said, so tell me about your sister. What did she like to do? What, you know, what, you know, was she married? And at the time I didn't even realize what she was doing, but it really was like, she was saying, you know, let's talk about, you know, this person, you know, not as a tragic figure only, but what, what is, what is great about this person? Let's remember that. And, and it's funny. Cause I mean, she's now passed on too. And I never got a chance to thank her for that because it, it was an amazing thing to do. And I didn't even understand it at the time. And certainly if I was on the receiving end of, of finding out something like that had happened to somebody, that's what I would say too. You know, nobody ever knows what to say, or I, I did usually, but I would start saying, so tell me about this person. What do they, you know, what do they do? You know, do they like animals Do they, whatever it could be anything. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's really important, you know, as you were saying as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And, and that's, you know, hats off to that woman mm-hmm. for understanding what you needed. Yeah. And it would be good for many people to be able to, you know, at least honor their, their memories, the other memories, mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than the single incident. Because we're not, none of us are a single incident. Absolutely, and, for sure. Yep. Yeah, and, and um, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's a good thing that we got to, through you, meet Dorothy. Mm-hmm. And I really love what you said about getting help. I think that's absolutely important. But something I find as important is carrying those stories forward for the next generations Mm -hmm. because we don't want to lose the people in our families 
simply because of how they left us. Yeah, that's a very good point. And uh, it's even interesting how um, my daughter is very interested in her aunt that she'd never met, actually. She, she likes hearing about her and, um, you know, and, 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 you know, was, was hoping that, that, you know, Dorothy would like her if they'd met. Right. You know, uh, yeah, that's, you're right. It's absolutely a, a very important part of this. And I believe that's part of how we change the stigma and the shame that goes along with this. And as much as this is my personal crusade, I think it's important that we speak to children early and let them know that sometimes we don't have great thoughts. Mm. And sometimes those thoughts can be dangerous. But yeah. Well. If, yeah, if we take, take the time to go tell an adult or someone who's ready to listen, you can dispel some of the dark thoughts. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we're going to, well, if not end, at least slow the number of people that we lose. Yeah, I think that you're absolutely right. And and that, that the, you know, the, the instinct to hide this all away is a definite part of the problem with it, I think. You know. oh, absolutely. My Aunt Margaret was my father's sister, and she died when I was seven or eight. When I learned that she died, my father had to fly home to Scotland, but we didn't learn anything else. Mm. Like, mm. I wanted, how, how did she die? How old was she? Like, why did she die? Mm. And you know, I grew up in a Catholic household. First of all, that was the greatest sin you could commit. Mm -hmm. You know, unbeknownst to me at that time, it was it was kind of taboo even to talk about her. I can say mm -hmm. that, you know, now we do. And my father has told me so many incredible stories about my Aunt Margaret. It's mm -hmm. uh, it's really nice to to get to know her in that way. Mm -hmm. and I keep Andrea alive that way, and Brian and Ken, and it saddens me just how big the list really is. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 it affects everybody at, at some point. I think you know. Uh, you're absolutely right, and and that's why we do this podcast. I just want to say thank you so much, Ted. I appreciate the courage and the kindness that it took to come on the podcast and share your story. And I also want to thank Dorothy for being your sister. Yeah, thank you so much. And 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 yes, if 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 I I, I can help anybody, I would be I would be glad to. It's it's uh, yeah, it's it's you know it's a it's a tough thing that we all share, but I think I think what you're doing here and communicating about it is is the way forward. And I thank you for that. Well, thank you very much. And to our audience, until next time, 
I'm Elaine Lindsay. This is Suicide, Zen, and Forgiveness. I want you to make the very most of your today every day. If you need help, if you just need someone to listen, reach out. We have all the numbers available in Canada, the US, Australia, the UK, Ireland, etc. They're all available on our website. Thanks again, Ted. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you on page one in the search results.